Well, we are two weeks away from the time when we make our pledges. And uh, on March the 25th, we are going to come together for a special service. It is going to be uh, different. I think it is going to be an exciting time, a God-blessed time, and I cannot wait. But we begin at 8.30 on the 25th. We have breakfast together. The service in here is at 10 o'clock. It will not be televised. It's going to be a different kind of service. And it's going to be a time of celebration as we trust the Lord and we make our commitments to Him. It has been my prayer, it's been my desire as we are moving towards the 25th, that it is a special time between you and God. And so on the first message that I preached concerning this, I preached about struggling with God. What you're being asked to do is a struggle. I know that. You know that. It is a struggle. And so I ask you to struggle with God. And then uh, last week I preached on the message seeking God. So we struggle with God and then we seek God. God, what is it that you want me to do? We seek God concerning His will. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of trusting God. And that also is difficult. For us to actually trust God is a difficult thing for us. And that's the reason most of us spend our time in worry rather than in faith. William Ward said, worry is faith in the negative. That's the reason that most of us spend our time in doubt rather than stepping out in faith. Can I really do this? Can I do what I believe that God is putting in my heart to do? Will He really and truly enable me to do what I think He's leading me to do? And so there is all that worry, all that doubt that we have to deal with, but we overcome it by faith. So take your Bibles, look with me. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we will refer to several other verses from that passage. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. Probably we need to begin by defining faith. What is faith? Well, the dictionary defines faith as a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Now, I think that's the world's general understanding of faith, that faith is to believe something for which there is no proof. And that's the reason when the subject of God's existence is brought up. There are those people who say, well, I know there are people who believe in the existence of God, but there is no proof that He actually exists. When the subject of creationism is brought up, that God spoke this world into existence, there are those who will say, well, I, I know there are people who believe that. They believe that God created this earth, but there is no proof for that. So when the world then thinks about faith, they normally think of it in those terms. That faith is a belief in something for which there is no proof. In religious circles, I think the definition basically is a system of theology or a belief in a set of doctrines. 
And so we hear people say, well, there is the Baptist faith, or there is the Catholic faith, or the Jewish faith, or the Islamic faith. So they understand it as being a belief in a set of doctrines. I was watching Cal Thomas the other night on some program, and he said that it's all right to believe in certain doctrines as long as it does not affect your life. Well, that's pretty well true. It's okay to believe certain things as long as it does not affect a person's life. But I think that is a religious definition of faith, that it is a belief in a set of doctrines. But here we see what the Scripture says about faith. Look again at verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Albert Barnes wrote, there is scarcely any verse of the New Testament more important than this, for it states what is the nature of all true faith and is the only definition of it which is attempted in the Scriptures. All right, so what does the Bible say about faith? What is the writer of Hebrews saying about faith? Well, he says that it is assurance, and in the King James Version, it is translated substance. Barnes wrote, the word properly means that which is placed under, then ground, basis, foundation, support. So when the Bible says then that faith is assurance, it is saying that faith is a foundation. It is a basis. In other words, it is something under us on which we can build our lives. It is solid. It is foundational. It is assurance. And then he continues, for the conviction of things not seen. And again, the King James Version translates that evidence. So here's what he's saying. As we act in faith, we become aware the evidence reveals to us that our faith is real. Now, you who live by faith know that to be true. When you stand on faith, when you take a position in faith, then there is the evidence that says to you, my faith is real, that what I believe is real. So it is assurance, it is conviction, it is understanding. Look at verse number 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So the writer then is saying that faith is assurance, it is solid, it is our foundation, it is conviction. As I live in faith, then the evidence comes to me, and by faith I understand the world. How can you understand the world? Only through faith. As you live your life in faith, then you begin to understand that God created this world. That God created you for a relationship with Him. Therefore, you have purpose in life. So he says, it is by faith that we begin to understand. So faith then is believing. But faith is also doing. If I believe something to be true, then I act on what I believe to be true. So faith then is doing. Sherwood Eddy wrote, faith is not trying to believe something regardless of the evidence. Faith is daring to do something regardless of the consequences. Now, 
folks, we all have faith in something. There are some of you who have faith in science. And so you go out to the airport, you bought a ticket, and you're going to fly to New York or wherever it is that you're going. Have you ever really looked at that airplane you're going to get on? I mean, you look at that thing and it's just this little metal tube. And you get in there and they put all the luggage and you look around and say, you know, it looks like some of us are overweight. And we're all on this plane. And then you look at those little bitty wings that it has. And that thing is actually going to get up in the air and come down safely? Well, because you believe that to be true, you board and you take off. But see, you have faith in that. Now, we, we have faith in, in, uh, in science. We, we watch Jim Gandy give his forecast and he says that it is going to be mild and sunny. And so what do we do? We go out and make a tea time. You know, I'm not feeling good today. I'm going to take this afternoon off. And so we go out and make a tea time. Because Jim Gandy said it was going to be a nice day. We have faith in, in our doctors to a degree. <laughs> we go in, they examine us and say, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to die. And so now think about that. We allow them to take us back there, put us to sleep. We don't know what they're doing. If I ever have surgery, I said, I want a recording device in there because I don't want any foolishness. I don't want anybody telling any jokes. I want them to be serious in there. But we allow them to put us to sleep and cut our bodies open. Why in heaven's name would we do something like that? Well, because we have faith. You see, we have faith in something. Some have faith in science. Some people have faith in themselves. When I go out and play golf with, with Brother Steve, we stand up there on that tee box and I look down there and I think, I'm going to hit this thing 300 yards right down the middle. I've never done that. But it's faith that keeps you coming back. You know, you think one of these days I'm going to hit that ball. And so we have faith in ourselves. But it is only faith in God that never disappoints. Science changes. We fail. But it is only faith in God that never disappoints. So what is faith? It is believing. It is doing. It is pleasing. Look at verse number 6. And without faith it is impossible to please Him. Hmm. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. And the Bible says that the elders please God with their faith in verse number 2. For by it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. And he mentions Abel there in verse number 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better, a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Now, why was Abel's offering accepted while Cain's offering was rejected? Because the Bible says that he gave his in faith. The scripture says that Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. And so in Romans chapter 4 verse number 3, For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So the scripture says that Abraham believed God, had faith in God, 
and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The, the word reckoned is a bookkeeping term, and it means that it was counted for him. It was put in his account. The righteousness of Jesus was put in his account. Why? Because he was worthy? No, because he had faith. And so the scripture says then that Abraham pleased God through faith. Folks, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, that is an amazing thought to me. And I judge a lot of what I do by that. Do you realize, according to this verse of scripture, at least as I understand it, that you can sing? But if there's not an element of faith, that does not please God. Did you know that? That I can preach, but without an element of faith, it does not please God. You can teach, but without faith, it is not pleasing to God. And we can give, but without faith, it is not pleasing to God. I've, I've shared with you a little bit about mine and Linda's struggle as we've been going through this, just like you are. And I figured it out. I got my pencil and paper and I sat down and I figured out how I could, you know, cut back a little over here and cut back a little over here and make this thing work. And Linda reminded me that there was no faith involved. And with that faith, it does not please God. So we had to go back and relook at it. And so you figure it out and then you put in faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is when we do what we do in faith that it becomes pleasing to God because it means now that I am trusting him, that I am depending upon him to enable me. What does God want me to do? It has to involve faith. So what is faith? Well, it is believing, it is doing, and it is pleasing. It pleases God. But then secondly, faith is the means by which we become participants with God. I read an article that says it is a scientific fact that pearls lose their original luster if not worn once in a while in contact with the human body. Now, when I read that, I thought, you know, that's what faith is. It is the means by which I come in contact with God. I rub up against God by faith. And it is by faith that I become a partner with God. So if I'm going to have a partnership with God, then I become a partner by faith. Now, that's what Noah did and all these people in Hebrews 11. But look at verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So the Bible says that when Noah built the ark, it was in partnership with God. That he was participating with God. Now then, if you go back and reflect on the scene at that time, it really didn't make any sense because it had not rained at that time. So why did they need an ark? It had not rained at that time. And I would imagine that his building the ark was an embarrassment to his family. I mean, here he is out there wasting all of that time, all of that energy, all of those resources to build an ark when it hadn't even rained. And then I think the people in the community saw Noah. What in the world is wrong with Noah? He's been out in the sun too long. What's he doing out there? He says that he's building an ark. Why? What's an ark? Well, it's a big boat. What's he going to do with it? God's going to send a flood. But the thing about Noah is that he believed God 
And he did what God told him to do. And as a result, he became partners with God. We see the same thing with Joshua over in verse number 30. By faith, the walls of, Je- by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So Joshua then became a partner with God. How? By faith. It was in his faith that he began to partner with God. He rubbed up against God. Now, again, if you, if you look at the circumstances, I, I think the soldiers would have doubted what he's doing. All right, guys, get ready. We're going to go out here and march around that city and blow some horns. You've got to be kidding me. That's not, much of a, that's not much of a strategy. We're going to capture Jericho by walking around blowing some horns. Get out there. So I'm sure that the soldiers were not real thrilled about his plan. And the people inside Jericho probably were fearful in the beginning when they saw them out there walking around their city. But by the sixth day, they said, they're crazy. There's something wrong with those people. They're just out there wandering around, marching around the city. But the Bible says that he obeyed God, partnered with God. What happened? What happened? The walls fell. Because he became a partner with God. Folks, if we are going to be partners with God, we do so by faith. After all, is it not faith that causes us to become witnesses of Jesus? We believe that people need to be saved. And we believe that Jesus can save them. So we witness I went to see Amazing Grace with my grandson Hank this week. It's a good movie um, about William Wilberforce. And uh, in it, John Newton was the preacher who wrote the the hymn Amazing Grace. And in the movie, he he said, um, I've learned two things in life. Number one, that I'm a great sinner. And number two, that Christ is a great Savior. See... That's what we believe. That's the reason we tell people about Jesus. Because we're sinners who need a great Savior. And so when we have faith in Him, believing that about Him, then we tell others about Him. We serve in faith, believing that it makes a difference, that we've been called, and we give in faith. The Bible says that He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. We have to constantly remind ourselves, God is not broke. He didn't have all of His money invested in the stock market and lost it. He owns it all. He just allows us to participate with Him. And we participate with Him in faith. True faith then leads to sincere dedication. When we have that kind of faith, then we become dedicated to God. Now look at Abraham in verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. His faith is reflected in the depth of his dedication. The Bible says that he, he was called, that God called him. He believed that God had called him. Folks, that's what I'm wanting. That's what I'm wanting. That's the reason that I have, have been preaching what I've been preaching, saying what I've been saying. Because I want you to get with God, struggle with God, seek God. Because it is important that you believe that God has spoken to you. Not that I have spoken to you. Not that a program has spoken to you. But that God has spoken to you. The Bible says that he felt called by God. And so he obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. 
Some have said, well, that's blind faith. No, it isn't. God knew where he was going. Abraham might not have known, but God knew where he was going. It wasn't blind faith. But he was obedient to receive the inheritance that came to him through faith. Look at Moses over in verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, Moses was raised, as you know, in Pharaoh's palace, but he, he left it all because of his dedication to God. He refused the position as prince of Egypt. He refused the pleasures of Egypt that were all his. And he chose affliction, the Bible says. You see, faith in the future causes us to sacrifice immediate comforts. That was Moses. He was willing to sacrifice position. He was willing to sacrifice pleasure because he believed in God's rewards. What that means is, is that you and I pledge, we give today and the rewards come later. In other words, it's an investment. And I've, um, I thought about it, that in my own life. And uh, I grew up in a Christian family. My father was a deacon. Uh, my mother was a Christian, taught Sunday school. And uh, they, you know, when I was little, they, they took us to church. They saw to it that we were in church. And... And we had family altar in our home and so forth, and they, they really tried to instill the things of God in our life. And I've thought about that a lot of times. And my mother and dad both gone to be with the Lord. But I thought about the investment that they made in us, the spiritual investment that they made in us. And, and I'm a preacher. My brother's a preacher. My brother who died was a deacon. My sister who died was a wonderful Christian, and my other sister's a Christian. I thought, you know what? Boy, that's what it's all about. You can have all the other stuff. I want my, my family, my daughter, my son, my grandchildren, I really want them to know the things of God. But see, folks, what we do is, as Rodney said just earlier in the testimony, what we're doing is an investment in the children. We make an investment today, a spiritual investment that brings rewards. There's dedication, then there's validation. When we respond in faith, he validates our faith. It's the evidence that it is real in this life. You can read over there in verses 32 through 35. It says they conquered kingdoms by faith. Gideon conquered the Philistines. It's a wonderful story. Shut the mouths of lions by faith. Daniel shut the mouths of lions. Quenched the fire by faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego quenched the fire. It says they were tortured you need to know this. Faith is not the easy way. It is the victorious way. So if you think that faith is the easy way, you're gonna, you, you've got it wrong. It isn't an easy way. These, these were people of faith. But the Bible says that they were tortured, that they suffered. And so it does not mean that it's going to be easy. I'm not, I don't want you to think that I'm saying, you do this in faith and it's going to be downhill and shady. I'm not saying that at all. But it is the victorious way. It's the right way. In eternity, there's faith now, there's heaven later. There's faith now, there's victory tomorrow. God validates your faith. Now, let me say that to you. God will validate your faith. You respond in faith and God will validate it. 
And then finally, how then uh, can we appropriate faith? How can we have it? The disciples asked that at Luke 17, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Would that be what you're asking today, Lord, increase my faith? I want to be a person of faith. How can I? Well, he tells us in verse number 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Folks, if you want to be a person of faith, then you must learn to see with spiritual eyes. Jesus said, your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And he's speaking about Abraham, that he rejoiced to see my day. How did he see his day? He had been dead a long time before Jesus came. He saw through spiritual eyes. So what I'm really asking you to do is to see through spiritual eyes. Are you? I have been sharing with you that as we are going through this, and the thing that has excited me so much is to look with spiritual eyes and see the renaissance that is taking place downtown. All these people who are moving downtown, I read, I forgot what it was, uh, it might have been Jerry or Linda mentioned to me the other day about the number of units that have been built downtown or that are on the drawing board, thousands. Isn't it interesting that God has us down here with this building at this time? Can you see it? Can you see those people who are coming downtown and so forth, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ through your witness, coming to this church, filling up this choir, being involved in our Sunday school, being involved in those Bible studies, all of that? Can you see that? I do. See through spiritual eyes. The university that's just down the street. And I think of all those precious kids. I'm thinking about all of our college kids that are in New York City right now on a mission trip. 30,000 kids down here. They need the impact of your witness. And God has us right down the street. Right down the street. I think of the precious children in our church. I look down and see these down here. and I love to, love to see the kids. But how important it is that we see them as needing the gospel of Christ and making the effort, doing whatever it takes, whatever it takes to share Jesus with them. We've got to reach them. I look at the children. I think about missions, and this church has always had a heart for missions. And the opportunities as our kids have gone to New York and and we have some going to build a church and all of these things. And then we support missions, over 5,000 missionaries around the world. Don't just see what's here, but see through spiritual eyes. And when you see through spiritual eyes, you'll become persuaded of the reality as to what God will do. Augustine wrote, Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see what we believe in. To me, that's what this is all about. When we come on the 25th to make our pledge, the one thing that I want is that whatever it is, because it's not the amount of your faith, an element of faith, whenever you make your commitment that you're able to say because of faith, this 
is pleasing to God. That's it. This is pleasing to God because it's a commitment of faith. Our gracious Father and God, thank you for allowing us to be partners with you. Lord, that we actually rub up against you through faith. Lord, that we don't walk by sight, we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. And Father, I would pray today for those who who have never come to know the blessed Lord Jesus, that in faith today they would come. I pray, Father, for other acts of faith that need to be demonstrated today, that they will. But Lord, bless this invitation time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we are going to stand, sing a hymn of invitation. And I'm asking you to respond in faith. My friend, if you're here without Christ today, will you put your faith in Him? Will you trust Him to forgive you, to save you, to welcome you into His family? If so, we have staff members here who'd love to pray with you and talk with you. You come. Some of you looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. You come. Stand with me, please, as we stand the choir sings, as they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.